What's going on, everybody? My name is Eldar Basic, and you are listening to Eldar Talks Games. I got so excited, my hand hit the floor. I'm recording in my closet because it's completely soundproof. It's okay, my co- my closet's pretty comfortable. All right, guys, so today we're talking about the top five most important games of the past decade. It's going to be awesome. I'm not going to exactly tell you what the games are on the offset, but I want to go ahead and give you a little bit of context, and a little bit of background as to what I've been doing. So about two months ago, I went down to California, the sunny state of California, and I had the pleasure of being invited to, but not meeting the dog of Colin Moriarty, X-I-G-N, X kind of funny, and current Colin's last stand. Uh, I was on his uh, Fireside Chats show where he basically interviews creators, etc., etc., and just kind of gets a little bit more insight, I guess, to deepen his learning well or his knowledge base. I'm not sure. Either way, totally cool guy. Been a humongous fan of his literally since, I think, episode 200 or so of Podcast Beyond that he was doing on IGN. It was a super cool time. Got to explore California. But that's kind of the last podcasting thing I did. It was about two months ago. I've been waiting for that to drop. It's been a little bit of uh, a little bit of time, but we're finally getting to listen to it. Uh, November thirteenth, uh, November fourteenth, it should be live to free patrons um, on Collins Last Stand. So I'm really excited that uh, you guys get to go, you know, listen to it. And uh, you're probably asking, like, what was the reason I went down there? Well, I put out a book back in July called Echoes of the Holograph. It's available on Amazon. And Colin was super interested in talking about it. So, grabbed the plane ticket, went down, talked to him. It's pretty cool. California has some pretty amazing burgers. So, that being said, back to doing my own podcast. Uh, this is Eldar Talks Games. Uh, not numbered episode. Just me rambling about the top five most important games of the decade. After this short musical break, we'll go ahead and get into it. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Right. Cool, cool, cool. That was uh, Hidden Potential by Twerp, uh, T-W-R-P. Uh, pretty cool song that I found just kind of roaming the uh, synthwave, sort of like weird video game, like official soundtrack playlists on Spotify. Uh, again, that's uh, Hidden Potential by Twerp. Um, also, you should know that it's T-W-R-P. They are abbreviating it like a lot of bands and DJs and electronic music producers like to do. Here's looking at you, Nightmare. All right, guys. So today we're talking about the uh, top five most important games of the past decade. Uh, if you have been uh, tuning in to the uh, to my socials, uh, it's Eldar Talks Games just about everywhere, um, you'll notice that the top five list goes as follows. Uh, number five, The Outer Worlds. Number four, The Last of Us. Number three, Journey. Number two is Pokemon Go. And number one, most important game of the decade is Dark Souls. And I have, I have as, as far as like what I think are pretty good reasons as to why. So make this pretty short. You guys know that my podcasts aren't an hour and a half long adventures into the soundscape, nether sphere, interdimensional complex 
Uh, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. What I'm trying to say is my episodes aren't really that long. Uh, my podcasts are usually 15, 20 minutes, and a lot of them are usually just me rambling about uh, video games and or uh, rambling to somebody else about video games. And this episode is absolutely no exception. So 2010 to now, I guess, uh, man, we're really doing it. We're really in 2020. I can't I can't even imagine all of the uh, 2020, you know, 2020 hindsight jokes that are literally about to hit us and a surprise that social media is not, you know, just in in an overabundance with those right now. But anyway, so number five is the Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds is uh, a kind of like it's a Fallout like. I don't even know if we can start saying that games are Fallout likes, but if if there were such a thing, the Outer Worlds would definitely be one. Um, it was, it's developed by Obsidian and, um, long story short, they recently got bought out by Microsoft and came out with the Outer Worlds. Uh, I guess they were, I guess the game was in development at some point during the, uh, negotiations. So that's why you see it on PlayStation and, uh, inevitably, uh, in 2020 on Switch. The Outer Worlds is a really important game. I think it, uh, comfortably sits at number five because it teaches us one very important lesson. A game doesn't necessarily need microtransactions, a, um, a cache of loot boxes, a battle pass, always on infrastructure, a admittedly kind of bullshit, um, you know, a social type of ecosystem to thrive. It's comfort food, man. It's um, Fallout New Vegas. It's Fallout 3. It's single player. It's, you know, I got my wisdom tooth pulled. <laughs> And uh, got this game on Game Pass. So as cool as it was to download it and just kind of play it, you know, for my 15 bucks a month that I spent on Game Pass, it was it was single player. It's it's just it's just nothing but diving into a strange Starship Trooper, Star Warsian type of environment with multiple planets and exploring, you know, just having fun. Uh, I think it's important because uh, without games like this. Uh, everything becomes kind of corporatized. Um, microtransactions will rule the earth, and we forget our single-player roots, you know? A lot of us, especially people my age, we started off playing games on the PlayStation 2, and it wasn't until that console's, you know, half that console's lifespan was over that we even got online. So, you know, the, the NES, the Sega Genesis, none of those games were online, but we still loved playing games back then, and The Outer Worlds teaches us that, you know, maybe it's okay to go back to 2007, Maybe it's okay that Fallout 3 and, you know, games like New Vegas and Oblivion, you know. Yes, okay, I know, Oblivion, you know, kind of started the whole horse armor microtransaction DLC thing. But look, you get what I'm saying. You, you absolutely know what I'm talking about. It's comfort food, baby. And there's nothing wrong with comfort food. Number four is The Last of Us. Uh, there's a lot that can be said about The Last of Us. But the reason that um, I think for, well... One of the reasons that is going to kind of mirror uh, The Last of Us and Number 3 uh, Journey is that basically it it taught us that even back in like 2013 that games can be games can be narrative, games can tug on your heartstrings and games can have realistic amazing beautiful stories that have people talking about the ending that have unclean endings, you know, spoiler alert. If you haven't beaten, you know, The Last of Us, that game concludes with one of the main characters looking at one of the other main characters right in the eye and lying to her. And it, it just it ends so powerfully. And the game just has this 
cadence, the song and dance of, of, of just emotion throughout it. Loss and just the game is lost, just constant loss, constant loss. And it was one of the early, you know, examples. It was one of the progenitors that maybe games can match movies in terms of not only voice acting, but, you know, acting, quality, emotive, the emotive nature of a game can match a movie. And I think that's why The Last of Us absolutely belongs on uh, up there. You know, the sheer amount of work that went into it, the, the oh, man, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier, one of the chapters is about The Last of Us and its arduous development cycle. If you haven't listened to that, absolutely, or not, I'm sorry, not listen. If you haven't read that, definitely go read that because it is one of the, uh, man, it's one of the great stories of game development. So anyway, moving on, uh, number three is, of course, Journey. Uh, there's a reason that Journey is so important. I, I It's simple, right? It's It's absolutely, it's just three hours long, give or take, maybe two and a half hours long. But it was the first time that I ever got a text from my mom basically saying, hey, I heard about this game called Journey on TV. And I was like, whoa. So for me, Journey was really important because it was one of those games that kind of bro- – it was maybe one of the first games that broke into the mainstream because of the fact that it was highly allotted and considered as you know art. Um, Last of Us brought narrative into, into games in such a professional – cinematic quality but but journey brings the abstract to video games in a playable format we can finally play the abstract you know and it depends you know my perception of what abstract is is a little bit different than i'm sure yours is and that's totally fine but journey was spectacular and i you know i just i have such a special place in my heart for journey because i beat that game and i didn't even know it was co-op until the end of the game when I found out I was playing with somebody, it's 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 so special, and it really broke the barrier of games as art, and I think that's why it deserves the spot at number three. Now, number two is uh, actually, you know, this one is from, you know, talking to some of my friends about, you know, what are the top five most important games. Number two was definitely definitely heavily like uh, disagreed disagreed on because. Number two is Pokemon Go. And, you know, so my opinion is that the second most important game of the past 10 years is Pokemon Go. And it's interesting to think why that is. You know, that game, everybody played it. Everybody, literally everybody that wasn't into video games played that game. And everybody that was into video games played that game. Everyone knows Pokemon, and I, that was the first time I went to my local park, and I saw people just, just kind of playing it. You know, just oh man, it was just, it was magical. It, it was this weird harmony, and, and and I've never, and I haven't since, and I probably never will see that tor- that type of harmony over one single piece of game software. And for that, because of the fact that literally everyone was linking up and playing it, it taught us that video games can be you know can form communities it can form reasons to get out of you know out of the house and reasons to have a common goal and just reasons to you know just have friendships and i don't know i don't know pokemon go super special you know still play it i know a lot of people still play it so that being said number 2 pokemon go mobile game taught us that 
Everybody in the world pretty much can get together and play a game. And number one will be uh, right back. Ha, gotcha. Number one, uh, you know, as as I've mentioned in uh, in this episode, is Dark Souls. And after a short little break, I will go ahead and explain why. So go ahead, stick around. I think you're gonna like it. You're gonna like the way you look. I guarantee it. Men's Warehouse. Please don't send me up. Alrighty, 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 alrighty. Welcome back to the show. Um, I'm hoping you're really, uh, you're really digging "Hidden Potential" by Twerp. It's such a cool song, man. Like, such oh, man. The the solos, the the synth, man. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Anyway, so we're here to uh, discuss the number one game, or number one most important game of the past decade, and. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's Dark Souls because of the simple sentence. It's because of a sim- simple, simple sentence, right? It's okay to die. Now, what does that mean exactly? It taught us that difficulty could be used as a construct for progression in video games. Now, you take the first... You, you, you take Super Mario Brothers, right? And the first time that really... You pick up that controller, you know, let's say like you're three years old, you run into the Goomba, and you're taught that death is a punishment, you have to start over, right? And in a way, you're gaining progression from that. You're gaining knowledge. Dark Souls flips everything on its head, created a in, created pretty much an entire genre in and of itself, just because of the fact that the game was so wildly successful and so monumental in teaching people how to play games. I think that the game itself, I think Dark Souls, uh, whenever it came out, a lot of people kind of branded it as a super hard game. But I think if you, if if you're, if you think about it, I don't really, I wouldn't really necessarily say that Dark Souls is a difficult game. It's a repetitive game, but not repetitive in a bad way. Repetitive in the sense that you die here. Oh no, I have to change up my tactics. I gotta figure out why I died. I got to go through this mob of enemies before I get back to the boss. I learn a little bit more about those enemies. I might gain an item here or there. I might open up a shortcut. But and and the reason I picked Dark Souls 1 is because it basically said, "Hey, it's okay to fail as long as you get up and keep doing it." In the last 10 years, I can't think of a game more important than Dark Souls because it taught us perseverance or perseverance. It taught us that it taught us to keep going, right? The difficulty to gameplay balance is so spectacular that it, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? We have seen Lords of the Fallen. We've seen Bloodborne and Dark Souls has two numbered sequels out. I mean, obviously the success is there, but really what it taught us fundamentally as as game players is it's okay to fail because in the end we're going to get out and we're going to do it anyway. And it taught us not to give up. And I think that's really special and something that is probably in, in my opinion, at least the most important uh, lesson I've learned, uh, probably the most influential game of the past 10 years. 
And shout out to From Software for uh, giving us that treasure of a video game. So, agree? Disagree? Go ahead and get at me on Instagram and Twitter at Eldar Talks Games or my personal Instagram and Twitter, Eldar Basically. Just a couple more quick updates from me. My episode of Fireside Chats that I recorded with Colin Moriarty should be up either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, that's November 13th or 14th. I'm not 100% sure. Either way, I hope you listen to it and I hope you pick up a copy of my book, Echoes of the Holograph, available on Amazon. I'm trying to get on half price books. Either way, I will go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and dip out. But stay tuned for another episode of LR Talks Game shortly. We'll see you guys online and welcome to the club. <laughs>